You're listening to Tripend Rasheen's Arts and Culture Podcast. I'm Ellie O'Byrne. This week, we're in the roundy with Snatch Comedy Improv. Hello. <laughs> My name is, uh, I'm Marcus, Marcus Bale, and I'm a member of uh, Snatch Comedy. And I am, uh, yeah, I work in theatre. I'm an actor and a theatre teacher. That's what I do. Uh, I'm Adrian, and I'm the guy with the moustache and the glasses. Just, just the general guy with the moustache. Yes, that's how I'm known people around town. People know. Yes. <laughs> uh, my name is Michal Roach, and I'm also on Snatch Comedy, and I teach improv classes as well, a little bit, and uh, I cycle everywhere, and I'm from Kerry originally. Okay, so who's going to explain to listeners what would happen if they came into a snatch show? How how it works? The man with the glasses. The first the thing we always say is, "Have you seen the show? Whose line is it anyway?" Because it's very similar to that. It's a series of scenes. In every scene, there's a particular style of play, and we ask the audience for suggestions. Sometimes one, sometimes a lot, and whatever they say, we make it up on the spot. So if we ask for a suggestion for uh, something you could have as a pet and they say a goldfish then we'll make up a scene with a goldfish if we ask for something unusual that could happen to a goldfish and they say it grows as big as a house we'll make up a scene where a goldfish grows as big as a house we'll do an article okay so don't over talk it yeah well, so what know. we'll do is we are combined are uh, a supernatural being who can answer any question okay each one of us speaks one word at a time you can ask us any question about anything and we will be able to give you an answer. Oh my gosh, okay. So I've, it can okay. be about politics, it yeah. can be personal, it can be science, it can be past, present or future. Okay, uh, what will Michal Martin be doing in 10 years time? He will be pushing a child's pram down Patrick Street because he will be having a affair with his secretary. This is a exactly <laughs> the truth about Michal Martin. That's it. Controversial. <laughs> I thought he said E instead of A. Sorry, I exactly. Is that yeah. what you said? Exactly. Uh, exactly. <laughs> so that's one of the things that you do, but then we ask the audience to ask any questions about anything, and so we kind of the oracle will answer like a couple of questions, and they ask, you know, what happened to my teddy bear that I couldn't find it when I was five, and you know they come up with answers of any type. But and then so then what other formats? Do you we have? have, and I, I've counted anything up to eighty different games that we play. So some of them are guessing games. So we might say somebody's been murdered and the person has to guess who it was. We have things like an accent roller or an emotion roller. And the way that works is we keep switching into different accents or emotions during the scene. Uh, and then there's story games, games where we tell stories in different ways. Like, I mean, we can either n literally tell like a story, uh, like we ask for a title of a story and in turns it keeps moving from one to the other and one person starts and the other one moves. Or we can just do what we call meanwhiles, which are literally tiny little scenes where the only thing that we ask the audience is one word that will inspire the scene. And that could be, you know, at the bar, or it could be, you know, father, I have sinned, a phrase that someone says, it could be a character, whatever, and we just do a minute. And then we ask meanwhile something else completely different. You know, two Indian guys trying to change the tire of a car, whatever, and that's the scene. 
So there's there's stories, there's gimmicks, there's challenges, there's all yeah. sorts of different games. You yeah. Know? Sometimes the challenge is really obvious. Sometimes it's really obscure. But there's always a challenge somewhere, and there's always a rule that we have to follow. And that's it. Whatever they say, we do it. We make a scene out of it on the spot. Mm. And how did Snatch get started in the first place? Started a long while ago, 2002. We figure out it was around March 2002 or so. Anyway, started a group of people trying to do some sort of comedy in Cork. Um, back then, we weren't sure yet that it was going to be improv, right? That's now, right. when we started, we were just saying, okay, we want to... And, and the basis was theatre. We were all kind of coming from a theatrical place. We had had some experiences with improv and sketches and other things, stand-up comedy and uh, a number of short films and things like that. Like, I mean, we were doing a lot of that. Uh, everybody was doing different things and it was a kind of a gathering and it, it felt, you know, we're talking 20 years ago, we were all quite young. We, it felt like there was a buzz going on because there was nothing like that in Cork. Uh, there were a few troops in Ireland, I think one or two that we knew of uh, in Dublin. And um, so it felt like we were creating something and, it, 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 you know, the people in Cork reacted well. And, and there was a huge string of different types of show that came out of that. But improv was the one that we carried on performing and people kept coming to and also it had the i suppose the plus that uh, we were all doing other things as well and so we could always just get together and do an improv show without much preparation uh whereas plays and sketches and short films and things like that would have taken a long you know a lot of work so this way we we managed to build up a following and around the year 2005 2006 i suppose that when the City of Culture in Cork, I mean, that, that gave us quite a lot of uh, backing, I suppose. We did, boost, yeah. we did Spiegel Tent, we did big mm -hmm. events, and it was kind of people in Cork around then kind of, they knew about Snatch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then after that, you know, it kept going into different formats. We, we started making contacts with people outside uh, Cork uh, in other places in Ireland and then abroad. And then we managed to do workshops, start teaching as well, mm. improv. There's been also many people kind of coming and going. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. Are all three of you in this since the very beginning? No. 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 Myself and Marcus are. Michal is probably one of the newest people. Mm -hmm. Ah, so yeah. how and why did you end up doing this? Uh, I remember watching Snatch years and years ago. Going, I'd love to try that. I always wanted to do stand-up comedy as well and um, I had an interest in comedy in general. But I remember seeing the lads, I think it was over on the other side of the city. It could have been city limits even. Because we were sitting in the Roundy, in which the we'll roundy. talk about in a minute. Yeah. Just, yeah. And I remember going, I'd love to try it, I'd love to try it. But like, I was interested if they were doing workshops and stuff like that, but it was never happening at the time. And uh, so then I was, uh, I was in another group, Ball Ensemble, and then I was in with them and I kind of fell in with the lads and kind of when they were stuck, then they were stuck a lot. So I ended up, been in the shows a lot and then I suppose around 2013 or 14 I was kind of announced as a member of Snatch Comedy and, uh, and that's it so I've been with them for probably nearly every show since actually because I, I live in the city so it's easy for me to get And Michal you teach improv so mm. like start, start me off with what the hell you can teach about it surely it's all just the contents of your own head and the speed at which you can work right? It, 
It is, and you know what? It's it's a, what we class it as a grey area about how you teach it. Because if you ask the three of us what we taught improv is, we would have three very different answers, and we're all three very very different people on stage actually. But that's what kind of makes it, I think, because everyone has their own very very strengths and and, and weaknesses, you know. So that's kind of what makes a group. Uh, I, what I would do is a lot of listening skills, uh, spontaneity skills, scene creation, the importance of like. You have this thing called crows, right? Which is character, relationship, objective, and where. So if you have those four things in a scene or a sketch, you kind of have a solid sketch. So then you'd be you'd be able to class and you'd be getting two people to do them, and once they have two or three out of the four very quickly, you know it's going to be a solid scene. Everyone knows what's going on. Yeah. So that's that's kind of it. Um, accepting what the other person gives you and not blocking it and fun. I, my main thing is fun, actually. Adrian, you're nodding like crazy. There. Yeah, it's it's funny because I think a lot of people feel it's this kind of strange thing that uh, it, it's really odd that we can and do this. But it is just like any other type of drama. It's a skill that you can teach and it's a skill that you can learn. I think a lot of people think that there's something really difficult about it. But actually, the most difficult thing is getting past the kind of psychological block of being afraid of what's gonna happen if you make a mess of it. Once you get over that, once you accept the fact that if you make a mess of it, people will laugh and that's a good thing, you just hell for leather, straight through, and practically nothing can go wrong. The only thing that can go wrong is if you don't say anything. So as long as you do something, you're doing something. It's actually it easier than it looks. scary to people who are not used to performing. It sounds like everybody's worst nightmare to mm. be on a stage and to just do something really stupid that and nobody understands. Yeah. But it's not. <laughs> no. You got you, you to think that we do it. Everybody does it all the time without realizing. The difference is that we put it on the stage. When you think about kids, you know, playing whatever they play, superheroes. Many years ago, cowboys they used to play Indian. cowboys and Indians or police and thieves and, you know, cops and robbers. And I, that kind of made me leave, you know, that I take out my hand and point at you as a gun and go boom and you fall down. I mean, you know, obviously you are accepting what I'm giving you. I'm, I'm giving you this offer of I'm shooting or I'm just grabbing you and say, you're coming to jail and you go, oh, whatever. And you follow up. The, the same applies here. We are, well, that's why when Michal said that the element of fun, very important. I mean, that, that I think it's quite, kind of what makes it at the end of the day, you know, like, I mean, it's really hard to do improv without without that playfulness, because that's what it's about. It's about accepting it. Of course, we are kind of, as I said, coming, a lot of us from theater or, or stand up or, you know, like, I mean, we have a base where we are a bit more accustomed to be in front of people. And maybe that's the fear that you're talking about there. That, But I mean, that would be the same, I guess, with many people. If you ask them, would you come on stage and do a play? You know, they might still feel that fear. The other thing is that actors or people who are in theatre a lot of the time tend to have this kind of idea that if they don't have a script, they they will kind of freeze and get embarrassed by not knowing what to do, right? So that that that's the thing that Adrian was saying. It is, I think, in a sense, the main elements, like Michal said before, listening, you know, or even when Adrian said, you know, the worst thing that can happen is that you don't say anything. Well. I remember doing a show long time ago. Uh, there was uh, when was it when the the improvathon we did was what what year was that like? Oh, two thousand and 
11 or 12? There was this, this uh, Midsummer's festival uh, that uh, uh, there was, uh, they did as a, one of the events for the Midsummer was to bring in a company from England and that they do this thing called an improvathon, which is like 24 hours or 48 hours of improv nonstop. And oh it's one gosh. story. It's one story that keeps going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except for, and you can come and watch it at different stages. In, at three o'clock in the morning, you can walk in and there's something happening. And at four o'clock, there might be some, you know, different groups of people coming and going. Anyway, we did this. And I remember there was a moment when after all the hours and everything that was going on, I, it was something about like four o'clock in the morning, or it might have been, nine in the morning after the whole night we were kind of you know, how many hours into that was that was maybe 18 hours in or something like it was kind of in on, on the end kind of i remember that we were exhausted but we just you know there was an adrenaline going and there was a good group of people we, they brought improvisers from england but there was also a good crowd from ireland at it and we were all doing different characters and so on and i remember that something happened and i was i just froze and my brain was like oh i couldn't carry on with anything right and what happened immediately was, which was brilliant, was that the people around me in the scene start reacting and it became a joke. He's been poisoned. Oh, I don't remember now <laughs> what happened. Uh, do you have a kind of a, a stable of characters that you end up going back to again and again? It is an issue. And if you're a purist, which I am, then you'll make sure to try never to do the same joke twice. No, you never do the same thing because it worked before because that's not improvising. What you should be doing is you should be carrying on in the scene as if what's happening in the scene, it's the first time you've ever done it, so you don't know what's gonna happen next. But in terms of different characters, like I do lots of different accents and stuff like that. So I do have a tendency to probably fall back on stereotypes. You know, if I, if I, if I knew that I was going to be British, I'd probably start talking like this. And somebody would say, aha, that sounds just like such and such. But I just heard that voice on the TV that's what I'm doing, and I'd probably do the same thing over and over but again, but we, I do try we, but to But we're, we're wired for success. Like, you know, you said that if you're a purist, you don't replicate the same joke, but you know, we, especially comedians, because it's all like, how do you gauge what's working as funny and what isn't? It's by audience reaction on mm. some level, like, you know, on Tripod Rasheen, if I write an article and it performs really well and I can see that 5,000 people have read it, when another similar story comes around again, I'm going to write about that so, thing yeah. again. Surely the same thing must kind of apply. It must be really tempting to go like, oh, okay, that worked, I'm going to do more of that. Not so much in improv. Mm. Not so much. No. I, because, like, I do both. I do stand-up and improv. They're so different. You can't explain the difference to people. I can't even I need, explain I actually it. was going to ask you to explain the difference to people. Oh, Jesus. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, apart from anything, like when, when you come up with material, you spend a lot of time working ages, on the material at home, ages, and yeah. then you will do the same material several times yeah, in front of the you'll audience. you'll have a set. You'll have a set. Whereas this is more, it's playfulness. I think the, the, the real nooks and crannies of improv is playfulness. And everyone gets it at a level, I don't know how to explain it, but I think it's just the fun of it, it's the in the moment of it, because if you've done the same joke again, it wouldn't land. If you've done the same joke in improv, or a scene that's funny, if you do it once, trying to make it work a second time probably won't work, because the dynamics will have been a little bit different previously. The characters will have been a little bit different. Small differences, they make the joke work at time, just in that moment, but other times they wouldn't. I wanted to ask you, Michal, uh, a little bit because, like, stand up to me seems like the most gut wrenching, like, probably the worst art form, like, when, when it doesn't work. 
it's just excruciating. Like if you've ever been at like a stand up gig and you know, and every joke is just falling flat and like it gets so painful. It's just like, I don't know why, but I just think it's the bravest thing to do to get up on your own and do that stuff. Which do you prefer and which is more difficult? Oh, oh. I love improv. Yeah. I tolerate stand up. It's <laughs> 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 the best way to describe it. I always have fun when it's with others because it's more fun. It's just more, you don't know what's coming at you. Like Adrian come at me like we're in space and we're, and, we're, and we're making butter right. and I'm like, Jesus, what am I going to do here? Like, but I just do something and then a scene happens. Like I've, and it usually goes well and it's usually fun and it's very kind of community orientated. I find improvisation and, and, and that kind of stuff. Stand up is like I've done stand up where it didn't work. And I've been driving home in the caravan. Jeez, is my life worth it? Really? <laughs> that went so bad. I don't. I. I don't want to feel like this ever again. Do you know what? I'm never doing stand up again. And then you do a gig the following week and go as well. And it's like I'm alive. It's just the ups and downs of it of stand up are far more pronounced than improvisation. Yeah. Marcus, of course, you do a lot of work with Shakespeare and schools and that type of thing. And I wanted to ask you about. The you know so we're sitting here in the roundy, and you shut down because of COVID, right? Okay. Is that why it stopped? Well, yeah. I mean, like like most of the the theatre companies everywhere. Like, I mean, we couldn't do you know live, and so we had to stop after a period of time. The guys started coming up with an online model, like so many, I suppose, people had to. Uh, and then Snatch moved to the online medium through Zoom and mm -hmm. Facebook Live for a while. And it worked, obviously, you know, in, like, you know, to a degree, like, like you say, theatre can work through online medium, you know, like, I mean, you're missing the live element. But being improv, you know that it's improvised and you know that it's live, you, you make it work. Um, and people did like it, but uh, yeah, well, we decided to to after, after you know when restrictions when came up, like we decided to come back. And bit so by how bit, long have you been back for? We started in February, March. Whenever the restrictions lifted. No, yeah, March. March, March yeah. I think was yeah. the first one, uh, mm -hmm. and so we we decided to to start again in the roundy like we were before. And, and doing we've done a, done a few gigs in other venues as well. We've done a couple in yes. uh, City Limits as well. Oh, yes, that's correct. Yeah. yeah, so we started to have like a more, you know, like, a, you know, a number of gigs in different places. Also, during the summer, we get to do festivals. We've done a, a number of festivals and yeah. But this is this has been the, the kind of heart of where we are for mm. uh, a good many years now, you know, because we get to play around here. We've been here for a long time, so we get to kind of mess around with the format come up with new ideas, try different things out. We've got a very kind of a, a positive audience. We always get a good reaction from them here. So this is our, our kind of home now at the moment, you know. So like if we were to make an analogy, if you were a jazz trio, an improv jazz trio, you'd have mm -hmm. a residency in a club somewhere and mm -hmm. that would be where you would work on your stuff together. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. This is exactly, this is yeah. what we call, this is our playground. Yeah. This is where we get to try things that normally in other gigs we say, no, that, that won't work. Uh, because of the audience. I mean, the people that come to see us in the roundy are people that 90% are people that know what improv is and that have been watching us and yeah, I suppose other people who improvise for a while so that you can try experimental, yeah, experimental type of or, or, or you, can, you can ask more from the audience as well because mm -hmm. there's that element, you know, like I mean, when an audience doesn't know what, what's going to 
happen, uh, there's only so much you can ask. And little by little, they give you their trust as they kind of get, get, you know, they get the idea, oh, this is what they are doing. But with the people, when they know what it is, like, I mean, you can all of a sudden ask for, okay, I want a suggestion for, let me know a thought that this person could be having now. And they immediately come up with a lot of stuff, you know, like, I mean, it's kind of, they, they get in the zone of, if you like, mm. kind of more creative thinking quickly. You know, that quicker. doesn't mean that everybody has to know that much in order to come to the show. We do explain it. So uh, if people are coming to the show for the first time, that's not a problem. Well, do you have a regular audience? Who's your regular audience? Is it the same heads who come Some on? would be. Some would be. Yeah. yeah. Maybe about, not, I'd say about a third of the audience is usually regular enough. Some of them vary, as in they come to every show. There are our friends. There are, there are fans. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But they love being a part of it too. But I, I get. But I guess the one thing that, that that it has that people like when they come and they haven't seen anything like this before is is the novelty of it. Because the real, like seeing it live, there's a magic to improv that that is difficult to match. You know, because you 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 can tell that this is improvised. I mean, it's obviously improvised. I think there's a magic there. You know, when you see it created, it's like what you said about jazz. There is a good analogy there. You know, it's a good play. By the way, if you hate jazz, you'll still love our show. <laughs> the thing that I like about having people come back is because the reason they're coming back is that they know it's going to be a different show yeah. every single time. We've literally never done the same thing twice. We might do like nine, I think, sketches in a night during the show. And we've done, God knows, thousands, how many shows yeah. in the last 20 years. We have literally never, ever done the same scene twice. And that's because we're asking them for suggestions and they'll always give us something different. And, but even if they say the same thing twice in a row, it'll always generate a different scene. It's, yeah. it's never the same. And, and that makes it fun for them too, because even if they saw it the last show, they come to another show and it's like, wow, that was completely different again. Well, yeah. I was going to say that. Do you think that a lot of it is that the audience feels a, a heavy investment? You know, because they're giving you the the thing. So they're kind of part of the show yeah. as well. Yeah, they're included. Huh? Very yeah. much so. Yeah. yeah. And as well, sometimes they give you really challenging suggestions and you can tell there's this vibe in the audience where they're all going, ooh, how are they going to handle this? And they're delighted to see that we actually made something out of it. And uh, Yeah, is there that element that some people are kind of trying to... Oh push you yeah. over a certain edge, yeah. feed you things that they think yeah. are going to be more awkward for you yeah. to do. Mm -hmm. Big time. There's a, there's, yeah. a, there's, a big, there's a big element of, uh, of challenge yeah. in improv because yeah. the thing is, okay, you know, Adrian says, okay, we're going to do this new scene. I don't know, for example, one of the games that we play is called Halftime and says, we're going to improvise a scene now and we're going to time it. It's going to be two minutes long and then we're going to do it again. And that time it's going to be one minute long. So basically we're going to compress it and then we're going to do it again. It's going to be 30 seconds long and it gets compressed, compressed, compressed. And basically the actors have to do it quicker and quicker and quicker and remember everything. And that is a challenge. That is a challenge from the outset. And the audience goes, oh my God, are they really going to do it? And they are at it, you know? And then when we do it and we finish it and we have a timer there right in front of us, they go, why? Like, you see how they love that, you know? I mean, this, it, there's a sport almost element to it, you know? I mean, yeah. and, uh, which is like, you know, that's why in America and other places they call it theater sports, you know, improv. That's another name for it. I mean, is it? Yeah, theater sports. And it's the fact that people feel like it always could go wrong. Yeah. So that's that that challenge is always there in every every time you do a scene, you know. How about keeping it funny? Because you know that's that to me seems like that's probably the biggest. You know, because there's improv theater. 
that sometimes goes to really dark places, you know, and, and becomes very therapeutic. You know, we're all familiar with that kind of like one person. Role playing. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So how do you, like, does it ever go to dark places for, for starters? Yes. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> me Give me some examples. Yes. I can't even think of examples, no, but we have had ones that have been well, we've had black comedy. We've we've had moments where the comedy was kind of inappropriate. We yeah. never had moments where it turned into like now it's a drama, like a real so <laughs> like a soap opera. Now character. it's about my well, emotional well, state. I, yeah. I mean, let me play devil's advocate. We not maybe so much now because we now we are doing sketches in this incarnation of our show. We call it instant sketches, and we have an onus on comedy but uh, through the years we've done other things I mean and we have done uh, another type of improv called long form where you basically tell one long story it might be 45 minutes long so you basically come up with a play for the whole show you know and I remember doing I'm sorry but is that still with audience participation? yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well the audience will on, suggest but... something at the beginning okay, and then yeah, we might have yeah, other yeah, yeah. moments when they suggest elements but the idea of the long form that's not what we do now anyway but was that you tell one long story and I mean I remember going into places that maybe were you know sad dramatic a little bit more you know serious. like I mean it can get serious for a while mm. and then and then we revert back to comedy quick quickly mm. enough you know you still have to be a good actor though for any form of comedy to work right I mean because there's pathos so like some of the best laughs are coming out of some strange places so it is still a form of it's not just being a stand-up comedian, it is also really embedded in, in acting. Mm. One of the things that I think we've noticed down through the years is that people engage very strongly with things that they can relate to. It seems a lot of the time like you have a kind of a responsibility to go as mad and be as wacky as possible. But actually, some of the funniest scenes are the ones where two people are talking over the fence while they're hanging up the washing. If it's really ordinary things, people, you know, somebody going to a country post office, really like, simple, simple stuff can be really engaging. And sometimes it's just the characters you play. And sometimes it's not gags and it's not laugh out loud funny, but it's really interesting to watch because they can see something that they feel like, oh yeah, this, these are like real people. This could actually be happening somewhere, you know? We're mm. in an interesting point for, for comedy when it comes to uh, kind of, you know, there's been a kind of ongoing debate about, you know, what material is and isn't acceptable. There's, a, there's all of this kind of, you know, this uh, is it, you know, like comedy is only acceptable if it's punching up, if you're, you know, you can't be punching down, you shouldn't be making fun of, you know, minorities or people who have, you know, suffered different things or that type of thing. That seems to be really stretched around mm. comedy, but more especially maybe stand up, but comedy in general. So do you have any boundary? Do you have a kind of lines or any ground rules or are there suggestions that you will not respond to? Or if you got a re suggestion that you were like, okay, well, we just don't want to go there. What do you I've, do? I've, I've got no boundaries, but we, I have very strong <laughs> feelings about this, but I know, I know Michal has, uh, you know, particularly feels that, that we should have boundaries, all right? No, it's not. I think anything can, okay, this sounds very like hack, but I think anything can be comedy if it's done tastefully, not crass. And I think there's a big difference. I think there's a really big difference in it. I don't, I don't really like crude comedy myself when I'm doing it. Um, when you say crude, do you mean like a lot of sexual jokes and, and um, just, just swearing and... Well, I swear. Jesus, swear. do I swear. Okay. But <laughs> like, it's... But like, <laughs> um, just saying outlandish, they call it, they would be referred to as edgelords. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Crass stuff just for, and it's mainly for kind of 
maybe 20 to 30 year olds who are kind of going, oh, I can't believe he or she said that. Like just, oh, he, he's thinking it and he's saying it. That stuff, <laughs> I'd be like, get out of here. Like, but I do think you can make it. I think everything should be open to discussion and done tastefully. Everything. I do believe mm. that. Like, because it's important. Do you think something different? You said you felt very strongly about it. I heard Jerry Seinfeld saying a thing on Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee where he said that you can make a joke about anything, but it had better be funny. Mm. And I think that's mm. the key thing. Because if you decide you're going to do a scene with certain things and uh, it's not funny, the audience is going to have time to sit back and think, now that was really inappropriate. But if they're laughing, they'll let it go. One of the things that we have issues with, particularly at the moment, is we do a lot of things where we play, like let's say, for example, foreign characters. Now we've never had an issue with it, but there's always, always a chance that somebody's gonna come up and say, I was really offended by that scene in the Indian restaurant. Because we know now people are very, to be honest, I think a bit snowflakey about the whole thing about playing different cultures and different accents and stuff like that. We do it all the time and we've been doing it for 20 years, <laughs> but there's always a possibility that that's not gonna be a thing anymore because mm. somebody's gonna say, you can't do that. You can't, be, you can't be playing a minority on stage. I mean, for instance, like dozens of times I've played characters that are gay and very camp. These days I'm worried about that. I still do it. I haven't got in trouble yet. But we could start getting in trouble for those kind of things soon. Well, I think that it's true. We've been doing that. And I think during 20 years, we've noticed how it has changed, yeah. you know? I mean, because I, 20 years ago when we started, it was just, you know, I, I suppose like, I mean, people were taking the piss out of everything. Uh, you know, Irish are famous for taking the piss out of everything. And, and in a way, we started by taking the piss out of Irish, you know? I mean, so what happens is that it's a little bit like, I think I, I call it like the, the, the Borat situation where you take the piss out of everything in front of you to such a degree that if, if anybody feels particularly um, hurt, you need to think about it and say, well, five minutes ago, they were, they were actually taking the piss out of the Irish. And so basically what we're doing is that we are, we're not choosing, we don't have an agenda in what we're doing. We're just trying to and like Michal said, there's a level of, of respect, of course, where I think the kind of comedy we do is not so much laugh at something, but it's mm -hmm. like all of a sudden you laugh through, you know, someone or something, you know, something that someone does. But we're not going to put a situation where an underdog is being beaten again and again and again and again. And, you know, like, I mean, we, we tend to be quite reactionary in that in that case that we if anything, we're going to try to beat the the landlord and not the tenant, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but then again, some situations also have the truth element that you mentioned before. Yeah. And unfortunately, the world that we live in is not fair. So if we show an, an unfair situation on stage, people recognize it as real as well. And that's the thing about comedy, that you can do social commentary easier through comedy than through serious, uh, you know, performance sometimes, you know, and, and we find that sometimes, you know. The other thing is that when people are, when we ask people for suggestions, there's a sort of a contract where there's an understanding, we're going to do whatever you say. And if people throw something at you that's challenging and you go, ooh, not going to go with that, they're like, hmm, you broke the contract. Okay, yeah. hmm. Whereas if somebody says, let's say, for example, you ask them for a situation, they say, school shooting, and you're like, ooh, Guaranteed. We're thinking, oh God, I can't do that. Everyone in the audience is thinking, I would love to know what they do with this. And if we do it, there's a good chance it's actually going to work. Because we start playing the scene, 
and we make something out of it. And they're like, well, they did something with it. And it probably won't be in poor taste because we're, you know, we're, we're intelligent enough to know we're not going to do anything ludicrously bad taste. We've made things work that on paper look like they never, they never should have worked. You know? Yeah, some of that stuff is about intention as well, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I mean, if you are not being genuinely, exactly. you know, if you're not coming from a place where you are being nasty and prejudiced yeah. towards yeah, people, yeah, like, yeah. You know, like la, la, in the words of a great cancelled yeah. comedian, offenses context, right? Exactly. <laughs> Remember last week, we, we do have some little bits of kind of filtering. Like, I mean, last week, last show, sorry, who, one of, who passed away? Somebody passed away, uh, uh, Judy, what's it? Olivia Newton-Jones. Olivia newton Jones passed away shortly, the day, that day, the day before. And we asked for a suggestion of a, of a character, famous character for one of the, I think one of the games we play called Press Conference. And somebody says, Olivia Newton-John. And then uh, you're confronted with the choice. I mean, what are you going to do about this, right? And in some cases, we might pick it up and, and make it as a homage to that person, yeah. you know, in a good light. Yeah. Uh, but then in other cases, you might say, well, this game might end up being slightly kind of, there might be an element of uh, fun about it that might, might not be the right thing to do now. And so we, the beauty of, you know, asking for suggestions sometimes is that you ask for many and you choose one. So there is <laughs> okay. an element yeah, of filtering yeah, yeah. there. So that's you know? the that's the yeah. opt-out clause yeah. right yeah. there. One yeah. of the things one of the things I've noticed with both improv and stand-up is if you mention some topical words, it's the awkwardness in the people in the audience that make it more awkward. So if you mention like, oh geez, I've one joke about me aborting myself, right? Because I was a pale ginger. But you can feel the tension in the audience straight away because I've mentioned the word. They don't even want to know the joke is that they're like, <gasps> you can actually feel the tension in the room. And you can, like we done a, uh, a show on City Limits and there was a group of a, a couple, a two or three couples from India. They gave us great suggestions. And one of them was a mean one we had to do as an Indian dentist. Remember that? Mm. But the whole audience were like, oh. <gasps> Oh my, but they were laughing their they loved butts it. off. They came mm. up to us after saying, I was standing, but everyone else was worried for them. But they had great crack where everyone else was like, should we laugh because yeah. they're here? Should we not laugh? Do we join them? Do we not join them? So there's a real social awkwardness about, are we allowed to laugh at this? That's what I've noticed has changed. Not just about doing the stuff on stage, but like the audience are also like, do you know, if we laugh, does that make us wrong? Because the, in, the lads from India gave us the, 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 the stuff to go with. It's, it's really interesting. The it dynamic is, like, is really interesting to see. Like. And as well, people come up with things that they think are reflective of what's going on. So you could do a scene where you go to a doctor and the doctor's got COVID and that's going to turn out to be a hilarious scene. Everybody's afraid of COVID, but they want jokes to be made out mm. of it in order to kind of break the tension of what that is. So that, that works very well. I too. like that idea of, you know, as if comedy is kind of catharsis. Like if you go to a great comedy show, you sleep so well that night. That might be because <laughs> of the seven pints. Or it might be just because you've laughed and laughed and laughed. And, you know, like it is really cathartic. And, you know, um, Stuart Lee has this amazing thing about like the Pueblo in South America where they have the clowns and it's a really dangerous festival actually where like everything is upended and society goes completely crazy and you know like they dress the beautiful girls in like sackcloth and they like turn the old ladies into beauty queens and do all of this stuff 
but and but and do really sometimes quite dangerous things like take a rich guy out of his house and parade him through the streets and you know and it gets really edgy and then they live together peacefully for the mm. rest of the year <laughs> you know? wow yeah ideally comedy has that kind of function if we if the mm. audience is obsessed with something yeah. that's in society yeah. that they're not able to deal with and digest maybe they want you to do a little bit for mm. them exactly and and, yeah. and this is a little bit like you know what what we were saying about we do tend to to take like you know like the underdog and sometimes try to put it on top and that's the beauty of, of, of improv the fact that a situation that can be very recognizable you know like someone being evicted from a house which is a terrible situation and we we see it all the time our homelessness you know like I mean the way it is like we might in some way kind of comment on it by turning it around or by also we might give you know some sort of a kind of a a breather to the audience when they see a situation when they, I mean, unfortunately, this is not, might not be happening in real life, but you know, like, I mean, it gives you the, 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 you know, the, the, the images, the, what we're doing, you know, like, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it is, it is a little bit of an exorcism of, of things that might be, you know, in, in the, in the subconscious of the people, you know? Mm. This is turning into a really serious conversation. I was going to say, you know, the, the whole act comes back to fun. But we take yeah, it really seriously when we're doing it. We do. We, we spend a lot of time talking fun. about, uh, you know, talking yeah. about the format. 20 years, yeah. yeah. 20 years. And that's my next question is uh, 20 more years? Hooray! Oh, no. hey, 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 I tell you now, I remember the time I could get up the stairs. Steamer frames and yeah. wheelchairs. Yeah, why not? Like, I mean, you know, like... You can get a stair lift and put it <laughs> in the roundy so you can get up. That'll be comedy in itself. Hopefully yeah. we'd own the place by that stage. Yeah. <laughs> no, ah. but I mean, I suppose I'm talking about the sustainability of it. So it's not only the three of you. By the way, are there other names we should mention? Who, yes. who would be... Uh, Michal, who else is there? Annette Roach. Yeah. Nettles, we call her. Nettles. Mark Hosgrove. <laughs> Yeah, Marky Cole. We call him yeah. Arkazi. Yeah, these the, 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 those are the the current you know. So it's kind of a core group of five yeah, at yeah, the moment. Mm -hmm. So tell me when people can get to see you again. Uh, we're here in the Roundy on the second Tuesday of every month, which is the thirteenth of September. For so the, the next one is the thirteenth of September. Yeah, and it is uh, ten euros in. Sometimes we do a bit of flyering around the streets. If you're lucky, you'll get a, a, a slot for a fiver. So uh, be around if you're interested. And it's a full show, so you get an hour and a half entertainment for that. And yeah. it starts at 9 p.m., but you know, people can start coming, get a drink, come in, like from half eight, I mean, up, upstairs yeah. in the round. Yeah. yeah. Is you, it good to be back? To fantastic. Yeah. It's great. So good. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. 100%. But that applies to everyone who works in the arts. People are gagging to go and see stuff. People are gagging to get up on stage and do stuff as well, you know. Thank you all so much for coming here. It's really nice to be sitting with you in the roundy where you have your residency. And I hope the next one goes great for you. And thank you all so much. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Ellie. You've been listening to Tripe and Rasheen's Arts and Culture podcast with me, Ellie O'Byrne. Tripe and Dusheen is a reader-supported online news substack for Cork City and County. If you like what we do, you can subscribe to support us. You can also follow us on our social media. That's at Tidrasheen on Twitter or Tripe and Rasheen on Facebook or Instagram. And if you can't subscribe, you can always help us to spread the word by sharing our articles and letting other people know what we're doing. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.